All right, session number three. We talked about David and about the four tests that we will all experience and about how he responded to those tests and how that was a reflection of his heart. And then this morning, we looked at three important questions that we all need to address and answer so that we could be living our life in the right direction. Those are very much directional, very much about our perspective on life. And the other thing that I want to add to these two talks is a talk about getting traction. Because what we all experience in life is that if, you've, if you're working on those tests, you've answered the questions, you're moving forward, there is still an aspect of getting traction. For a lot of people, they're trying to move forward in life, but it's as if they were uh, trying to move up a hill and it has been raining and it's muddy. Much like what was going on, I saw one of the teams out here on the uh, trying to take their team up the uh, slip and slide, and they could not get traction. What causes you in life to not get traction? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to start off looking at Mark 12. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Jesus says there are only really two things that matter in life. It's your love for God and your love for people. Those are the most important. That's what matters most. But he said you don't love God and you don't love people half-heartedly. You need to love God with all that you have. You need to love him fully. He describes it by saying, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He really is saying to me, you have to give it all that you've got. So I'm watching the color wars. I'm watching the, uh, whatever the thing that we call it that happens with the bacon. Steal the bacon. And then the other, the, uh, the relay races. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, man, these, man, they're giving it all they've got. Okay, that is exactly what you need to do with the Christian life. Anything short of that is not enough. You have to give it all of your life like you are running for the bacon. Bacon is the prize. Yeah, Paul is a lover of bacon. He is, I'm not joking. He is. So it really is about giving God your full devotion, fully engaging with God in the way that he wants you to. And then as you engage, sometimes you don't have the traction that you need. And you want to move forward, but you keep feeling like, I'm trying to move forward, but I keep slipping back. You need traction. And there are specific things in our lives that keep us from having traction in life, that make life in front of us a slippery slope. And so we need to, to look at those things because the reality is it's hard to get fully engaged with God in the Christian life. And then it is also hard to stay fully engaged. 
to stay with God as your number one priority when all of these other things are coming into life and they're wanting to distract you and to pull you away from your full engagement with God. Some of those things kind of like throw the grease right out in front of you and it becomes slippery. So what is it? Why am I not fully engaged? Why am I not getting traction? What is it that, that's holding me back? So chances are, it's one or more of these seven issues that I want to talk with you about. First one is an unclear purpose. Living without purpose is one of the things that will hold you back. Without a purpose for living, why bother? Why put out the effort? Why put out the energy? I don't really know what's going on. I don't really know why I'm doing this. I don't know, I don't know why I'm alive. So you need to have a purpose for living. And that purpose needs to be clear. If you have no reason for using up the energy, why expend it? That's why a lot of people don't expend it. They spend a whole lot of their time on their couch. Life seems pretty futile if you don't have a reason for being. Seems just don't, things don't seem to be satisfying to you. They're not fulfilling to you. You get bored easily. You may feel like Isaiah. In Isaiah 49.4, he said, I have labored with no purpose. I have spent my strength in vain and for nothing. With no purpose, that's what life is like. You live it in vain. You live it for nothing. Maybe you felt like that. Maybe you felt that sense of, ah, you know, I just... I just don't have a real reason. I don't have a purpose. Life seems empty to me. Life seems unfulfilling. Life seems boring. That's the result of not having a clear purpose. On the other hand, if you're like Paul, you have a clear purpose, and that clear purpose creates a sense of excitement, a sense of, of zeal, a sense of I am part of something that is significant. I'm part of something that makes a difference. And you watch Paul, that is exactly what you see. Because he is clear on his purpose. And he is making a difference. And it gives him a, a zeal to carry on, to move forward. So an unclear purpose will leave you, it'll leave you dry. It'll leave you unfulfilled in life. A second thing is an unemployed talent. God, as I said earlier, when you commit your life to Christ, God gives you gifts. He gives you talents. He gives you abilities. And he put those in your life for a purpose. So purpose and talent are connected. You need to understand your purpose, and then you have talent, but you need to use it. You need to put it to work. An unemployed talent can cause you to slip up. So the Bible says that God puts you on earth for a purpose and he puts you in a place so that you could have a niche, so that you could have something that you're doing that makes a difference, something that is a reflection of your love for God and your love for people. And therefore, I understand this is my purpose and this is my talent. And so I'm going to use this talent to make a difference in the people around me. 
And that adds to your purpose. It adds to your fulfillment. So you need to to know what that purpose is. Because when you don't have it, it's just slippery. At Challenge and at Chico Community Church, we want to help you discover your talent, discover your abilities, and get you into that place where what you do is now fulfilling for you. And it's meaningful for the other people. 1 Corinthians 7.17 says, Each one should live his life with the gifts that the Lord has given him. So if you don't really know, then you need to discover so that you could utilize that talent, so that you could employ that talent. So your talent is there to bless others, to make a difference. If you have an unemployed talent, you will experience a lack of fulfillment, a lack of meaning. And we don't want that. We want you to experience life to the fullest. Starts out by understanding my purpose, by understanding my gifts, my abilities, my talents, and putting them to work. Third thing that can keep you from getting traction is an unconfessed sin. There are really few things that can rob you from really the joy of life that can just take that away. There are a few things that could take that away from you more quickly than an unconfessed sin. A lot of the problem, I mean, the problem starts with the sin. And then that problem gets compounded because it's not addressed. It's not confessed. It's not cleansed from your life. It's not taken away. Your slate has not yet been wiped clean, so it is still marred by the sin. Psalm 38. This is, again, something that David said. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I am bowed down and brought low. The reality is you can't feel enthusiasm and guilt over sin at the same time. One of them wins out and pushes out the other. It's either a zeal for God that's played out in a certain way, or it's the unconfessed sin that overwhelms you. And that unconfessed sin will just cause you to not get traction. You get stuck. And your wheels are spinning, but you're not going anywhere. And the frustration is mounting. It doesn't work that way. Now, when you work on a computer, if you have conflicting input into the computer, the computer begins to not understand what it's supposed to do, and it will begin to bog down. It will begin to run slower and slower until... Something happens that cleans up the system to make it work right. See, most, I learned this sometime back, most computer problems are user problems. I used to have problems with my computer, and I would call up my friend who was a computer guru. He just like, yeah, I could help you with that. I could fix it. And it was almost always, well, what, what did you do? Because he knew the problem was my problem, not the computer's problem. 
Computers do exactly what they're told to do. But when there's conflicting entries, the computer, I, 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 Gary, I don't know what you want me to do. You're saying this and you're saying that, and I, I'm just going to kind of take it chill here till I get a clear picture. That's what, you know, that's kind of what it's like. It just, it's a user problem. So, most life problems are user problems. The person in charge of the life is giving input into the life that is not right. And the life slows down. The spiritual life bogs down. Just like computer problems are user problems, life problems are user problems. Most often, they're the result of of living life in the wrong way and having unconfessed sin. And with that, the spirit bogs down inside of us. If you are a Christian, if you've made that commitment of your life to Christ, God puts his spirit inside of you to give you help and energy and insight. But unconfessed sin, the Bible says, it quenches the spirit. It's like, it's like having a breathing tube that you have to have to breathe with. And my sin is taking that breathing tube and squeezing it. And I'm not getting enough air. That's what sin does to you spiritually. Confessing the sin breaks open and you breathe freely. You live life freely. See, some of you might be right now in the middle of a personal system crash and you're struggling to breathe you're struggling to move forward you want to be enthusiastic with everybody around you but you know there's this unconfessed sin and that is choking the life out of me so it sounds like a problem that is just overwhelming and hard to solve and hard to deal with and the question becomes how could I solve the problem of my guilt? You know, like David, I am bowed down. I am brought low. I am overwhelmed with the burden of my sin. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, God can be trusted to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All I have to do is Take it to God. Tell him the truth about who I am, about what I've done, and ask for him to forgive me. And when I do, he kicks this verse into place. He forgives me. He cleanses me. He opens up my breathing ability. He reconnects the flow of the Spirit in my life. What I need to do is to remember that and keep short accounts with God. When I sin, I need to go as quickly as I can and confess my sin so that I could be cleansed, so that I'm not just continuing down that slippery slope with no traction, with a pile of rocks at the bottom that I'm going to crash into if I don't get traction. See, if I don't, I just simply get more bogged down. And one of the problems we have is that 
when we don't confess our sin, oftentimes one of the things that happens is, is that is that pride sets into my life. Pride gets a little foothold on my heart. And what happens is, is it gets harder and harder to admit my mistakes. It gets harder to confess my sin because I, I just don't want anybody else to know about it. I don't want them to see me in that light. I want them to see me as this person who doesn't sin, who is strong spiritually. But that's not a reality. I need to confess. I need to move forward and re-engage with God. Unconfessed sin will keep you from getting traction in life. A fourth thing is an unsupported life. And what I mean by that is that sometimes you struggle in life out of isolation. You struggle because you're trying to go through life alone. You're trying to do it alone. Even though you're in the midst of a group, you're still trying to do it alone. And, and you need to know God never meant for you to go through life as a solo act. He meant for you to do life in relationships. You know, you love God and you love people. You engage with God and you have a relationship with God and you engage with people and you have relationships with people. And as you do that, you get help because that's how God wired us. We need each other. We need people in our life. We need people so that when we're going through a problem, they know about it, they recognize it, they can help us. And we can get traction faster that way. They can encourage you, support you, help you, challenge you. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, Two are better than one. Because if one falls down, if one sins, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Pity the man who steps onto that slippery slope of sin and starts sliding but he or she is all alone because they haven't connected with somebody else and they are sliding deeper and deeper into that dark pit. We need to have friendships, honest, real, close friendships. You need to have people in your life that, that are there for you and they'll do whatever it takes to help you. Fifth item is an undernourished soul. You see, every week, maybe even for you every day, there are circumstances and situations that come into your life and they are conspiring. They really are involved in a conspiracy. The conspiracy is, is that they are conspiring to shrink your heart for God and to shrivel up your soul. That's what those circumstances, that's what those situations are doing. Situations like when someone is rude to you, and you're just like, you're just like knocked back because of it. You're like, where did that come from? Why is that person treating me that way? It hurts. You feel it. Situations like when someone criticizes you. Situations like, when someone misjudges you. Situations like when someone is sarcastic. Those are situations that you face sometimes daily that cause your heart to shrink and your soul to shrivel up. You are going to face problems and pain 
And there are going to be situations that just leave you worn out emotionally because of it. You need to deal with those situations because if you don't, you again, you're on that slippery slope. If you don't nourish your soul, if you don't do that, your heart will go grow cold and heart hard. Your, your soul will shrink. Your heart will become hard. And if you don't deal with it, you will become one of those people that people don't want to relate to because you are a hardened person. That's, that's a slope you don't want to go down. You need to be nourishing your soul with God's word with a relationship with God, and with a relationship with people of God. So what's the antidote here? You must intentionally nourish and feed your soul. And you can do that with Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Just as you trusted Christ to save you. So, for example, a lot of you have trusted Christ to save you. So just like you trusted Christ to save you, Trust him too for each day's problems. Those of you that have not yet committed your life to Christ, when you trust him to save you, you need to realize it's not, that's not the end right there. That's the beginning. Because just as you get to that place where you trust him to save you, realize that now all of these daily problems that come up, all of these weekly situations and challenges, just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him for each day's problems. Live in vital union with him. Let your roots grow down into him so they can draw up nourishment from him so that you could be nourished. See that you go on growing in the Lord and becoming strong and vigorous. Man, that's, that gets you traction. That keeps you moving. If you want to stay spiritually alive, you have to get plugged in to God. And you have to stay plugged into God. And you have to develop a daily, vital, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Where your spiritual roots grow down deep into God's word so that you can be restored, renewed refreshed spiritually regularly. Sixth item is an unapplied truth. That's when you know the right thing to do, but you're not doing it. You know this truth, but you're not applying it to your life. Therefore, that truth means nothing to you. Nothing. See, one of the biggest mistakes that we make is confusing knowing with doing. They're not the same at all. We think that because we know something, we, we, we've, we've mastered it. I know this. I can talk about it. I could discuss it. I could explain it. I could share it with people. And you could do all of that. But if you haven't done it, it's not really a part of your life. It's just a part of your head. It's just a part of your knowledge. At that point, it's not a part of me. See, knowledge is not a part of me until I practice it, until I apply it, until I act on it, until I 
obey it. Spiritual truth is not really in me until I apply it to my life and I'm living based on that truth. And as I'm living based on it, I'm getting traction in life. That's what we need. God God warns us over and over in the Bible about the worthlessness of knowing truth without obeying that truth. It really is worthless to know truth, but not to apply it to your life. It might make you feel good. It might impress other people, but it's of no value, no real value. 1 Peter 1.5, make every effort. So, right there, three words. Make every effort. Treat applying the truth like you did trying to get to the bacon. You make every effort to get to the bacon. Make every effort to apply the benefits of God's promises to your life. Then your life will produce. You see that? After you make every effort to apply it, you'll get traction. Then your faith will produce a life of moral excellence, which leads to knowing God better. If you want to have a life of character, if you want to get to know God better, the key is those first five words, Make every effort to apply. Make that. So, for example, what you're doing right now, what you're doing right now doesn't take any effort at all. The only effort this moment takes on your part is staying awake. I I recognize that. I know that. That's, That's the effort. But listening to truth takes no effort. None. You could come in here, sit down, you could listen. It doesn't take any effort to listen to the truth. The hard part comes when you ask yourself the question, am I going to do anything about this? Am I going to work on changing these areas of my life? Am I willing to make every effort to apply God's promises to my life and live life the way God wants me to. You see, it's not the knowledge that changes you. It's the doing that changes you. It's the applying of it to your life that changes you. That's when it gets real. That's when we need, that's what we need to do. Take it and do it and apply it. And for a lot of us, That's what's holding us back. We know some truth, but we're not doing that truth. You should sit down with a piece of paper and ask yourself, what truth do I know that I'm not applying yet, that I'm not obeying? And, you know, you need to come up with a, you need to work on that list until there's nothing left on it so that you are applying the truth that you know. Sometimes, sometimes we, we, we kind of sink into a thought that sin is about doing the wrong thing. It is about doing the wrong thing, but it is also 
about not doing the thing that you know you should do. The Bible very clearly in James 4.17 says, anyone who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it is sinning. So when you know something that you should do and you don't do it, that is a sin. You can solve that by taking some action, by taking the truth that you know and applying it, obeying it. And when you do, the fascinating thing about this is when you apply it, you instantly will feel a sense of traction. You will feel like, oh, the tires aren't spinning exactly. Oh, man, I'm, I'm getting some traction. I'm moving forward. That's what happens when you apply God's truth to your life. Seventh one that causes a, a slippery slope, a loss of traction, is an unexpressed faith. Ephesians 4.15 uh, says, Let our lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. He says you were made to express truth, to express faith. You can do that through your words, your actions, and your lifestyle. See, expressing what God has done in your life, it's extremely important. God does something in your life and he wants you to express it, to share it, to talk about it, to let it change you. See, if you don't, if you don't share and express your faith in some real ways, there are two very sad things that will happen in your life. There's two of them. One is other people get cheated. The other people around you, if you don't share what God's doing in your life, they get cheated. They get cheated because your story is significant. God did something significant. And so you should share it with other people. You should express that. It's a significant loss because a valuable faith isn't shared. So one thing is, sad thing is, is other people get cheated. A second thing is, is that you lose some of what you could have. You were made for more than just taking this knowledge in. You were made for more than just taking in this truth. And if all you do is take it in, you lose. I, so many times... I hear people at our church that say, oh, you know, I just, uh, you know, I just, I just, I just need to get fed. You know, I love it here because I'm getting fed. Hey, hey, would you like to be on one of our ministry teams? Oh, no, no, I just need to get fed. And that's a terrible scenario for a person. Terrible. You were made to express the truth that comes into your life. There are two famous lakes in Israel. One in the northern area of Israel and one in the southern area of Israel. The one in the north is called the Sea of Galilee. The one in the south is called the Dead Sea. Two very significant lakes, but they are as different as night and day. The Sea of Galilee is a fully alive lake. It is a beautiful lake full of fish 
and life. The Dead Sea is in the southern part of Israel. It is dead. It is dead. It is full of salt and brine. Nothing can live there. There are no fish. It is ugly. It is barren. It's a dead lake. So what is the difference between the living Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea? You see, the Sea of Galilee takes in water from all of these different tributaries. All of these streams pour into the Sea of Galilee. They pour it in, they give it life. The life isn't just because the water is poured into it. You see, there is a famous river that connects the Sea of Galilee with the Dead Sea. That's the Jordan River. The Sea of Galilee pours out water out the Jordan River, runs downstream until it fills up the Dead Sea. See, the problem isn't the water. The problem isn't the life-giving truth that comes into our life. That life-giving water flowed into the Sea of Galilee and it took it and it fed it out. It expressed it. It goes down the Jordan River. It hits the Dead Sea. And you know what the Dead Sea does? It sucks it up. And there is no output. It gives nothing out. It becomes stagnant. It becomes dead. That is a clear picture of life. If you want to be fully alive, you have to take in what comes into your life and then you have to give that out you have to share it you have to express it if all you do is take in feed me feed me if all you do is that you're going to become a dead sea person you're going to have a whole lot of knowledge and not much life because you're going to be dead you're going to go stagnant so you were made for more than just taking in. You were made for giving out, for expressing what comes in. If you learn all these truths, but you don't act on them, you don't apply them, you don't pass them on to someone else, if you don't express them in some way, you're going to go stagnant. You're going to stink spiritually. That's what's going to happen. You need to take what comes into your life and you need to express it in some way. Three ways that we express it are with words, with action, and with lifestyle. With words, I'm going to express it by telling someone what I've learned. I'm going to invite someone to challenge. I'm going to invite someone to church. With actions, it's, it's actions like, wow, I've learned truth. I've committed my life to Christ. My next action is I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to take the next step that God says to take, which is baptism. Baptism is a great opportunity to express your faith. And then with the lifestyle, by my choices, people are going to see my faith. They're going to see what I do. So that's how you can express your faith, by words, by actions, and by lifestyle. So what I would love for you to do right now is with your outline. I've given you seven things. I'm going to, just in a summary fashion, go down each seven of them 
and I'm going to ask you to take a step. And the step is, you, know, you can pick your favorite. Pick your favorite star, bullet point, check mark, dash, whatever you like. Do that next to the one or multiple ones that you need to give some effort to. You need to make every effort to do something with this area. You need to do every effort to work on this area because this is an area that you know you're not getting traction and you need traction. Is it an unclear purpose? Not really knowing what God has designed for you. Is it an unemployed talent? Is it an unconfessed sin? Is it an unsupported life? Is it an undernourished soul? So which ones of those do you need to put a check mark next to to say, I need to work on this one? Is it an unapplied truth? Is there something in your life that you know you ought to be doing, but you're not doing it? Something that you know, but you're not living it out. Is it an unexpressed faith? How are you taking your faith and encouraging somebody else with it? How are you passing it on? Do you need to take the step of getting baptized? See, Jesus said you, you help people become disciples, and then you baptize them. And then you teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Maybe that's your next step. If it is, we as a church could help you with that. Three weeks, October 20th, we have our next baptism service. Just let Paul know. Let one of the staff know. Let me know. We could take care of that aspect of expressing your faith through baptism. So seven ways that cause people to lose traction that I'm giving them to you so that you could gain traction, live more significantly. Let's pray together. Father, I truly do thank you for giving us this time for prompting us, for causing us to to come together for, for this 24 hours to be with you, to be with each other. I pray that you would be at work in us. Don't let us get away from this mountaintop without knowing what our next step is going to be. Without us working on our heart so that we could have a heart like David without us working on answering these three significant, important questions of life, and without really getting traction in life by dealing with these seven areas of life and having a plan and working that plan. I pray that you would help us. I know that you will if we ask. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.